but I'm saying this more so as a call to like greater introspection and as a call towards like asking like sure I'm like saying all these things but like am I actually putting any like action towards it Welcome to the Dangling Conversation podcast. My name is Noah Bergdorf, and here I am with my friend Andy Vick. Andy, thank you so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. So starting things off, we're going to do a question because a bunch of people sent in questions. Andy, pick a number between one and eight. I'll go with three. Three. Okay. This is a good one. This is from Rachel Elizabeth, uh, my good friend T. McLaughlin's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Do you have a mortal enemy? Why and who? Who and why? Okay. I think I would just have to go with geese. Geese. I So I have this theology okay. that geese were created after the fall, like out of Cain's <laughs> sin. <laughs> like, like in Beowulf, it talks about like with Cain's sin came these new like goblins and creatures onto earth. I think geese are one of them. They're just horrendous they poop everywhere and they like they hiss at you what they're like if cats had wings yeah like wings and were uglier yeah uh i hate that well rachel thank you for the question (laughs) (laughs) so today a lot a lot has happened in the past what week and a half um Mm -hmm. at lee university we have been dealing with a lot of fallout from a person who spoke at chapel um and a lot of things were said and a lot of things were unsaid so do you kind of want to give a summary of like what happened because i wasn't able to watch the original chapel but i did watch the follow-up that kind of was also the fallout yeah yeah so um last week so i'll be honest that i didn't watch the chapel either (laughs) um but I'm speaking from, like, what I've checked with, like, over 20 people, so it's statistically significant. Um, but, like, basically, Dr. Preston Sprinkle was invited to speak at chapel, and Dr. Preston Sprinkle is a non-affirming um, theologian and pastor, but he is known for speaking a lot on um, LGBT plus inclusion in the church and the body of Christ. And so he came to chapel and spoke on the need for loving people in the community. And he spoke on like the need for wanting LGBT plus people in Christian spaces that we're not asking them to change, but we're asking for their presence. Mm. Um, And so from there, he according to the Church of God statement that was released in response to the chapel, um, he was not explicit enough in his condemnation of homosexuality. And because of that, the Church of God had a lot of issue with it and demanded an apology from Lee. Um, And in the background of this, on the comment section of the Facebook live stream of Preston Sprinkle's chapel, there were a lot of very negative comments from Church of God ministers. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them talking about how Lee as an institution has been dragging student souls to hell, dragging them away from Church of God doctrine for years. And so kind of in the background of all of this is a lot of Church of God ministers upset with Lee and trying to use this as kind of 
a last straw moment of Church of God needs to pull funding, we're upset. So personally, I think that that's a large part of what prompted the Church of God's response. Um, now looking at what happened after that, Mark Walker released a statement um, basically saying that it has always been Lee's stance that they only affirm marriage as between one man and one woman mm-hmm. and that he will make that explicit in chapel on Thursday. And so a couple days passed by. Um, a lot of people within the LGBT plus community were very much gearing up for the worst. Um, I was talking with a lot of friends about it throughout the week and Thursday came um, and Mark Walker preached a chapel service on repentance that was very much focused and directed at the LGBT plus community. Mm-hmm. And some may argue that was also directed at the church of God, um, oh. which is another <laughs> facet we can get into. But um, after that message, a lot of people within the community were hurt. A lot of people felt as though it gave a green light for homophobia. I know on the other side of the matter, a lot of people felt as though Mark Walker addressed it as best he could and were proud of Lee for taking a stance. So that's a little bit of where things dropped off Thursday. And at this point, we're kind of holding our breath to see where things pick back up Monday. Mm. Do you... I know, I know, at least in my class um, on Thursday, I had systematic theology and uh, Terry Cross kind of took that class time to talk about it and talk about um, his previous personal experiences around the gay community as well as like trying to have a proper, from his perspective, a proper interpretation Um and I now like I love Dr. Cross. Like he's probably one of my favorite professors. He is like the sweetest old man. And if you ever have the opportunity to go by his office, do it. Um, but it also felt very like, bro, we just watched a chapel on this. Like mm. he didn't say anything particularly hateful, not n- nothing hateful or even condemning, because he made a point to say that's that's not necessarily our role, but. Like you said, it feels like a lot of people kind of have a target on their backs when not just as college students, but like like quite literally as Christians, if that's if this is a campus where Christ is king, like we need to do whatever we can to like take that target off their backs to make them feel comfortable if even if you disagree. And so kind of going into that, are there people are there people on campus that like fear for their physical safety? Yeah, so thinking on that, um, from the majority of people I've talked to, they largely don't feel that. I do know of a few people who do fear for their physical safety, whether it be because they are on a sports team where mm-hmm. they're not out and they see continual homophobia or they're in a dorm or apartment environment where they feel as though they're not safe around their roommates or the other people in their hall. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is still something that people are afraid of. I think the bigger thing that a lot more of 
people from the community are afraid of is just for their emotional and spiritual well-being mm. that and that very much i think translates over to physical safety that like within everything that went on in chapel that's going to give license to a lot of people who negate their worldview negate their life experience or even encourage them to try and convert their sexuality or upright deny their own sexuality and like the fact of the matter is that like ex-gay theology and especially conversion therapy really do lead to a lot of horrible fruits Mm -hmm. like 78 percent of lgbt plus youth who attend conversion therapy within 12 months have either strongly ideated or attempted suicide Mm -hmm. i think that's something incredibly sad and so as our community is looking at this a lot of people are really worried for their own emotional health like one of my friends last night we hosted a safe space for people from the community to come and talk and multiple of my friends from the community who I invited couldn't even come to a safe space because this week has made them so emotionally unstable Mm. and feel so unsafe in their own homes so how did how did you respond personally to Mark Walker's message because as I watched it even though he wasn't necessarily gay affirming, I interpret him to be very genuine. I, I thought he seemingly cared for um, the well-being of the students overall, even if he's not necessarily agreeing um, agreeing with them. He, he got very emotional, um, and I didn't necessarily interpret that as disgenuine, were you satisfied by his message? Did that feel like an apology or did that feel more? Because I, I kind of felt as if his arm was twisted by the church of God. Yeah. Yeah. And this is actually like a topic that of like ongoing discussion that I've had with a few different people is like, was Mark Walker a puppet for the church of God? Mm. Um, was Mark Walker genuine? What he said to what extent should the LGBT plus community be angry at him for what he said to what extent should they give him grace? Um, and so, and all of that with my own personal response, I'll be honest, I was very disappointed with the message. Um, so thinking about in the student body, thinking about like, for one thing, for those in the community, Um, a lot of times when homosexuality is lumped in with other things within like sexual theology, when it's lumped in with like porn and adultery and incest and stuff like that, that's incredibly hurtful to them because for them, this is a loving consensual relationship between two adults Mm -hmm. and to compare something like that, which bears a lot of good fruits for their own lives to something like pornography or adultery or incest is incredibly derogatory thinking about the well-being of the students overall like a lot of people were really unhappy with the apology that mark walker was trying to give because they didn't feel as though it was an apology that they asked for they didn't feel as though it was worded towards a way that really wanted their well-being they felt as though it was worded in a way towards which 
the church of God is trying to get them to agree. And that's mm-hmm. not what they were here to do. Um, thinking also just about like well-being of students, like if that's what we want to talk about, then why do we not bring up in chapel the ongoing sexual assault? Why do we not bring up in chapel like the racism? Why do we not bring up that like the Lee University was against interracial marriage for a long time? When we, yeah. Why has not the Church of God spoken up about the Church of God minister who would stand on the corner side of the Confederate statue in a Union soldier uniform and shout um, the words blanking in my mind shout horrible things at least students peacefully protesting like a minute a minister did that yes as far as i know he's a pastor at a church in town wow and that's ridiculous that that gets a slide but this is what the church of god releases an official statement on and this is what this is what gets attention yeah this is what mark walker spends an entire chapel being intimate with the student body talking about when we think about this is what's addressed and not these other issues going pressuring on. issues yeah. that are so affecting so many i think it really needs to give everyone pause and think about the state of the church mm. and i think especially from what i've seen as someone who grew up conservative evangelical is like the lgbt plus community issues of sexual orientation gender have been like problematized to a point that i hear more about this than the dual nature of christ or the trinity like yeah. this is seen from it's what seen i've seen as the ultimate sin yeah and seen as more fundamental doctrine than those things and i think that's ridiculous i think yeah. that's heretical yeah and when that becomes like the greater concern of the church than actual like like in chapel I'm sure you can agree with this. Like, I've seen the prosperity gospel preached so many times. I've I, definitely... I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. I don't watch chapel in the co- <laughs> in the in the COVID season. There's the the first the first chapel I watched was Mark Walker's, and I tried to go back to watch. Like, whenever I first heard that there was controversy with this whole thing, the, fr- I, the first thing I did was laugh at the person who told me and said, "Why are you watching chapel?" <laughs> like it's 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 not it's not necessary it really isn't like yeah um i understand that they want to like this is something they've done for years and that will, we will continue to do it and like that's awesome but uh this is a blessing that's come out of covid that i will continue to appreciate <laughs> so like <laughs> not to sound insensitive yeah. or anything yeah but. no but like looking at so like we have attended lee when chapel is more regular and like yeah. I'm sure if you did pay attention during chapel, like <laughs> you've seen, or at least you've heard people complain about like Presbyterian yeah. gospel being preached. We, this is going on in chapel. I've seen Trinitarian heresy. Mm-hmm. I've seen Christological heresy. Like these aren't the things getting talked about, but instead a pastor comes in and says, hey, maybe we shouldn't be a dick to gay people. <laughs> and that's what they get angry about. Yeah. And just thinking about like, my own experience, my experience with my family, with my brother coming out as bi, like everything within there, like I could talk for a while on the relationship between the evangelical conservative church and the LGBT plus community and seeing how much hurt there is there. Yeah. 
I strongly feel as though like we don't need to keep telling gay people that we think that we're that they're living in sin that they're condemned. I don't mm. think we need to keep telling that to trans people either. I think mm. also as a side note that they weren't even addressed in chapel, trans like the people? trans community. Yeah. Mm. Um, which I think is funny because we underestimate the fact that there are trans people on campus and that they also deal with a lot of these issues that the, that sexual minorities deal with at a much bigger level. Mm. And I think that as, as Christians, as we're looking at interacting with this community, interacting with them as people made in the image of the Trinity and as people worthy of being part of the body of Christ, that there are people that we genuinely need to want and genuinely need to love in a way that's not the Christians loving the LGBT plus community, but instead in a way that takes away that other and says, I, Andy Vick, am here to love this person. Mm -hmm. I'm here to love this other human. And just thinking about it in maybe even different perspectives, one of my friends shared with me that her brother is trans and her parents, although they don't agree with his gender identity, they still nonetheless call him by his correct pronouns and don't throw around his dead name. Yeah. Because they would rather have an alive son than a dead daughter who they quote unquote held accountable. Yeah. Kind of going back to whenever um, Caitlyn Jenner came out as trans, that was a huge back when I was high school. That was kind of a conversation about like, okay, like how do we approach this um, amongst my friend group and amongst my schooling? Because like I was homeschooled and I think initially my view was kind of like, oh, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. This person, I'll call, I'll call him Bruce if I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know them personally. They don't care about me. Um, but since then, I still, I still stand by the what would be considered the traditional conservative Christian view. However, I do not like it when people just blatantly disrespect somebody like that because it's like, oh no, I'll call you by the wrong pronouns on purpose. I'll purposely call you by your, like, is that the term dead name? Yeah. I hadn't heard that before. Um, But like people knowingly trying to do that as a way to remind them. And to me, that's just blatantly disrespectful because I wouldn't, you wouldn't respond that way to somebody like, oh, well, like my first name is Noah, but I go by David because that's my middle name. And if somebody started calling me Noah, that would just be pretty obnoxious if I chose to identify by my middle name. We don't have any problem when somebody wants to go to TJ instead of like Tyler Justin. We don't have any problem with that. Yeah. But whenever somebody decides to change their gender, it becomes a huge issue for an individual rather than it being respecting somebody and honoring them for what they are. Um, I I really struggle with kind of what you talked about and like, like they were held accountable or whatever. I struggle with that because like I had a friend come out to me this past semester and as we were talking, like I never I never once said, oh, but I, I, I disagree with this lifestyle. 
I disagree with this lifestyle and like like I want better for you. I never said that to her because I know that she knows that yeah. I hold those values. Rather, I ask different questions about like, have you told your parents? Are you scared to tell your parents? Like, what's the fallout of that? Like, have you have you been going to a church? Have you like been involved with that? And it became questions greater about their faith rather than their sexual identity because mm-hmm. ultimately their faith is what from my perspective that's what matters um if you want to go into different biblical interpretations and what the bible says and how people want to interpret that that's an entirely different thing mm-hmm. but i'm also not one to necessarily say for me like cross cross made this point in class um it's it's sexual sin not 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 it, it, that's the issue that we need to be talking about mm-hmm. and and he was like very straight he looked across like our class of probably like 80 90 kids and he's like i know some of you guys are sleeping with your boyfriends or girlfriends and if you're gay or straight it does not matter like you are called to a higher standard than that mm-hmm. you're you're not supposed to be doing that and i want better for you regardless if you're straight or gay yeah it's it's the description of sexual sin and personally i think one thing the fact of the matter is like lee is a school lee is a school this is a place to get education we are not a church yeah. as much as they like to say like oh christ is king um we're, we're a school we're here for education i know i know plenty of atheists here and like that's totally fine i don't have any problem with that and for like would lee deny them to come just because, oh, we have a good business program. Cool. Oh, you're also a Christian school. I don't really care about that, but I want a good education. Why would should we view somebody who's gay in any different light? Hmm. So I think, from my perspective, I think it would be good for Lee to take out the specific portion on um, being identifying as a homosexual under their community covenant because the fact of the matter is they have it they they, they have the listing Mm -hmm. i don't have it memorized because who cares um but it says like sexual immorality and then continuing under homosexuality and then drinking and smoking and stuff like that and to me it's like why do we need that extra emphasis if you believe that that is a sexual sin why do you need to clarify that so strictly if you want to outline, this is how it's outlined in the Bible, okay. But I don't think we need that extra emphasis. I, I really don't because, again, this is a place for education, not condemnation. No, definitely. One thing, we talked about this issue in small group. Mm-hmm. And one thing that one guy talked about was, yeah, but like, regardless of like, if like, Mark Walker doing this in chapel is like harmful to an entire community, which is like, first off, the fact that you're marginalizing that fact is like a little concerning. Mm-hmm. But he said, but we're a church of God institution, so you need to say what the church of God thinks. Mm. And and he was like, if you go to Asbury, like the United Methodist Church's beliefs will be like told there. Yeah. And so at Lee, we should expect them to do the same. And to that, I kind of call bullshit mm. because... Like, if we look at our faculty, very few of them are actually identifying as the Church of God. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look at, like, Paul Kahn's t- continual, like, talks to the Church of God about why Lee as a liberal arts institution is beneficial to their denomination, 
he talks about like the need for engagement with a greater worldview, the need for engagement with things outside of just what you think. Yeah. And a lot of Church of God ministers will decry, oh, like Lee has caused students to deconstruct their faith. Mm-hmm. But I think if that deconstruction is encouraging people to leave fear and to leave these bases for their faith that are fundamentally like incorrect and fundamentally broken and instead replace it with a greater trust with a greater understanding then i think that's something that fundamentally any pastor would want for their congregation unless they're completely fear-mongering and totally ignoring the book of first john Mm. but like that with relation to the lgbt plus community it would be fantastic to get that clause taken out of this like the community covenant yeah part of like an issue i see with it is like if we take it out here then it's the same issue the church of god had with preston sprinkles message it's not condemnatory enough yeah and so then they're like oh you're leaving it open for interpretation and therefore you're just condoning it yeah and so unfortunately that's something that's like frustrating because it's like it would really help the community on campus to live much more like open lives and to like not be living in fear if they were able to live without the fear that that clause entails for them i've had some friends tell me like when they first came to lean like notice that in the community covenant in their gateway class or whatever they're like holy shit like when can i transfer mm. like this is not okay And it wasn't until they started talking to people and found a greater LGBT plus community on campus that accepts them for who they are was that they decided that they'd stay. It was Mm. because they looked around and saw this community that says, we aren't going to try and change you and we aren't going to force you to love a different person. Mm. We aren't going to force you to identify as a different gender. And taking it even, like, further back to, like, thinking about, like, the trans community, especially, like, with deadnaming people, like, it's not even just, like, an issue of, like, oh, I go by a different name, but it's a thing of, like, if I, like, sat here and continually called you Stephanie. Yeah. Like, eventually that would feel kind of derogatory. Yeah. Because that's, like, not your name, it's not your gender, and, like it starts to feel pretty degrading to like who you are as a cisgender male. Right. And so, yeah. And so thinking about like, thinking about that within the trans community, like it's something that like we need to address and something that we need to like take a lot more time to think about. And especially I think like one thing that a lot of people, even when as non-affirming Christians, they want to be safe spaces. One thing that like, often doesn't get talked about is like what are your boundaries there Mm. of what do you mean by that at what point are you no longer affirming i think that this is the same issue that lee is butting into is for instance if you're a pastor and you're wanting to have greater inclusion at your church but you want to maintain your biblical definition of marriage yeah then it's like okay you can invite them but we won't do what about, or whatever. Yeah, what about if they ask you to officiate a wedding? Or even, like, what if they ask you if they can serve on the worship team or serve in kids' ministry? Thinking about, like, as, like, people who want to be, like, safe 
people and just be in like genuine relationship and like friendships with people in the community like at what point are you going to like turn your back on them at what point does it your friendship become conditional of like i'm not going to hang out with like you and your boyfriend or like i'm not going to go on a double date with y'all or i'm not going to attend your wedding like these are things that like when you enter into a relationship with someone like if i earned into like a friendship with you as a heterosexual and then was like i'm not going to come to your wedding because i disagree with who you chose to marry like that would be hurtful no Mm -hmm. and so and that's something that really does cause rupture and that's something that does cause real hurt and so i think that that's one thing that like even with the church attempting to like close down more homophobia that they need to be asking themselves is like where are limits and where does our love eventually kind of stop for these people? Uh, oh, that's a dangerous question. <laughs> oh, I know. And like, yeah. And also like, I recognize in saying that, like consistently hearing like, oh, but like telling them that they're wrong is loving. And it's like, let's like put that aside and like recognize the reality of like, if I like sat here and told like heterosexuals, like for dating, like a girl, like you're wrong. Like, that would feel pretty derogatory. And even, like, thinking about as a greater perspective of, like, as this theology continues to tear apart families, like, it nearly completely did mine, Mm. my brother and I almost became, almost estranged ourselves from our parents because, like, it became so dangerous for him. Yeah. Um, Thinking about, like, the high suicide rates in the LGBT plus community, thinking about the high rates of mental illness and depression that, like, for a lot of my friends, like figuring out that they were gay was kind of a death sentence because they've been taught their whole life that these people are the bottom of the barrel, that they're born basically to be condemned. Yeah. And it's not like they're actively looking to like live in sin. It's that they're literally just expressing who they are. Mm. And I think that that's a large part where like, conservative theology starts to falter is when it crashes into this reality of like this theology really does dehumanize a whole group of people how how would you want to be addressed by somebody like myself who wouldn't necessarily also how how would you how would you define affirming because like as i've been having these conversations this past week some people define as affirming as not just like just straight up like oh like i don't hate gay people i'm like okay then other people i'm like like that's a good that's a good that's a good perspective to have good stuff and then other people say like oh affirming is to like affirm in the fact that they would say it is not a sin biblically Mm -hmm. so how how would you define affirming yeah no that's a really good question and definitely something to be cleared up so i would personally define affirming as like you don't define homosexuality or transgenderism as or queerness in general as a sin Mm. um and so within that like the terminology kind of comes from like affirming their humanity Mm. is kind of the idea um whereas non-affirming would be like you do identify that as a sin um and then thinking about what means to be safe, I think that's different from being affirming. Because for instance, I think safe applies to a lot of different things in life and not just this situation. But thinking about within the situation, it's like someone who's safe is someone who I can come to and is someone who someone from the community can come to and 
talk about like and basically talk about their issues talk about their life without feeling as though like this person is going to try and convert them to being straight or tell them that their lifestyle is wrong instead of actually like hearing them yeah and that's what i've heard from a lot of people um within the community is like that a lot of them are looking for safe people on campus and they're looking for affirming people on campus and so Mm. within like an entire group chat of them they're making an entire like excel document of what people are safe and what people aren't wow what people what person like what and this is more in terms of staff than people on campus okay but in terms that'd of that'd be crazy all like 5,000 leaf <laughs> students or whatever yeah no that'd be wild <laughs> no um of like what professors can I like come out to that won't like shut me down or make a big like deal about it or like will try and like bring it up to administration even that goes to like the counseling center of yeah like one person was dead named by his therapist and, uh, like, that was incredibly, like, triggering for him and, like, caused a lot of emotional instability. And so, yeah, and so they're making out this list and figuring out, is this person safe? And then is this person affirming? And, for instance, like, for a lot of the RDs, they're not allowed by Lee to voice their opinion if they're affirming. And mm-hmm. so they can say that they're safe, but they can never, by contract, say that they're affirming. Mm-hmm. How would you want somebody to be safe? Because, like, I think, at least amongst my friend group and the people I've talked to, like, a lot of us hold to the similar biblical, traditional biblical values. But we don't, we would never want somebody to feel uncomfortable around us for how they feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, how would you outline what it means to be safe? Yeah, so I think this is something that looks different for different people Mm. because I do know some people in the community who just can't see themselves entering into a a close relationship with someone who is non-affirming because that would cause them to feel unsafe or cause them to like feel a great discomfort with that friendship. Yeah. But on the other hand, there are people who like, recognize like hey like not every christian i come into contact with is going to be affirming and that's a compromise i'm willing to make and so for a lot of those people definitely i would say the biggest things for like being a safe person i would say the first thing is like just listening of like and when i say that it's like listening without your own agenda listening without your own bias um and taking time to see them as human, taking time to feel their, like, feel their struggle with them. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that's really grave and something that goes very deep. And I think that's something as Christians that we're called to hold with the other people around us. Um, I would say then, like, beyond that, it's like, are you getting to know them, like, as a person? Like, are you getting to know them beyond just like i'm getting to know them because i want to say that i'm a safe person for gay people Mm. like if you stop and take a look around and ask yourself like do i have any gay friends do i have any trans friends and say no that might be because you're not seen as a safe person for them and i think that's a question that a lot of people need to be asking is like 
Have I made the space around me a safe space for other people? Mm-hmm. Um, have Am I someone who is like actively in relationship with these people? And I think the step beyond that is really like getting very deep with them and going through life with them. Mm. Like in the like darkest moments of either like gender dysphoria or of like depression or say like your friend goes through like a deep breakup or someone close to them dies. Basically saying like as you go through like the deepest parts of life with these people like are you going to continue to be there for them and the question of like is there going to be a point that like your theology proves to be a condition towards being there for them or towards loving them Mm. do you think in that case tokenism can become a problem because like my thing my thing was always like i don't really care what you're into i don't care like if you're a massive nerd or like sports guy i don't really care like if you're an individual that is at least thinking about what you're doing that you're not just kind of oh i'm doing this because i want to do it i'm doing this because it makes me look cool i'm doing this because it's fun mm-hmm. if you're actually trying to have a level of self-awareness about going about your life like that's interesting to me like i yeah. like that's that's what makes me want to be friends with somebody hmm. um regardless of different interpretation i've i've like friends i have friends that have biblical interpretations on both sides of the board and i don't have any problem with that because it's it's about recognizing the humanity within somebody. Mm. I think it's important to have a proper hermeneutic uh, when it comes to interpreting the Bible of like being aware, hey, um, this is this is my bias going into it. Like I'm fully aware going into the Bible, going into reading the Bible, having a perspective that gives God the utmost power is what I prioritize, but I tend to undervalue God's love. I don't like I don't care about it. Hmm. Not necessarily because it's not there, but it's because sometimes I can put myself in a perspective of why, how am I able to feel that? I'm told God loves me all the time because that's what, and I think part of it is just my personality and that I want to disagree with people too often. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) like, you know, the post where it's like, and like, I just feel so loved by him today. I'm like, ugh. (laughs) oh gosh yeah and that and and but like openly that's my problem that and that's why like i have a lean towards calvinism because in my mind it's like you know god's sovereignty that's pretty sick but i will readily admit god's love isn't something that i think about all the time and i need to make a conscious effort to view that in scripture um so i think as long as people are having like a proper self-awareness in the fact that like hey i might be wrong with this i don't have any problem and it's 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 hard for me to comprehend somebody who would want to be friends with only people that have the exact same views as them i i can't imagine and i think that goes for both communities the the evangelical christian where they're like oh if you're gay we don't want you we don't want to touch you and then into if you want to i i hate using the word liberal because i hate using that word because it's so 
it has so many political connotations to it, mm-hmm. but um, a more progressive Christian, I would say, that only want to stay within a progressive light, I would argue both are equally damaging in that both sides kind of need to be interacting with each other. One, to be able to understand, hey, there are people out there that exist like this. But two, to be able to understand that there are people who have these opinions and being able to look them in the eyes and recognize, hey, this person has, even if I disagree, this person has something going on in their life that maybe is leading them to leading them to have this interpretation and how horrible is it for me to just sit here and be like oh well you're wrong and you're damned i like to me that's that's horrible i like i'm i look look skip jenkins is an interesting guy (laughs) he's he's out of pocket with some of the stuff he says but i would never i would never look him in the eye and just be like i think you're a heretic and i like actually genuinely believe you're wrong in most things you say I would never do that. I would tell him, I disagree heavily. I strongly disagree with most things you say. (laughs) And I think he would respect that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not about necessarily agreement. I think it's about respect. Hmm. Yeah, I think within that, it's also a question of like where your heart's at within Mm. it. Of like, like, yeah, like if you went up to Skip Jenkins and were like, you're a heretic, (laughs) I hate you. Like kick in his door. Yeah. then like clearly there's something a little bit wrong there like and like i understand the whole like i don't know is it like conquest view theology of like if you disagree with me you're going down because that's what the early church did aka (laughs) churchulian but like that's not what we're here for and that's not like like this person has not denied the dual nature of christ they have not denied the trinity yeah like think we can chill a little bit um but okay so thinking about like i don't know and then it comes down to another question of like thinking about your intentions within that mm. of like and like this is gonna get meta but like that's what all theology is <laughs> um is like taking a step back from like okay I think that I'm loving to this person, so I'm going to, like, say this in this way. Mm -hmm. But then taking a step back and asking again, like, okay, why do I think that I'm loving towards them? In what sense has, is this love tainted? In what sense is this love, like, pure? Mm. And even, like, asking in what sense have my own, like, predispositions caused me to feel this way towards this person? In what sense may I be being self-righteous in this sense? taking a step back and being like what would jesus say about what i'm about to say like when we think about how much jesus questioned literally everybody yeah like yeah i don't know so i think part of it does require like taking a pair of fresh eyes towards like introspection Mm. like especially i think a good like measure of doing that is partly like reading some of the teachings of jesus and soaking in just how weird they are like freaking John three, I planned a small group on that last semester. And it was mm. the hardest small group to plan because when I started diving into like what the text said, I was like, what the heck is going on? Like Jesus is suddenly like, yeah, there's things like in heaven that you don't know about. And you're just talking about earthly things. And like, this is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. And not only that, but looking at the structure of the conversation, like Nicodemus is like, hey, like, 
we think you're pretty great, Jesus. You're pretty smart. And then Jesus, like, immediately snaps back at him, like, <laughs> no, like thank you or anything. Like, I think it's part of, like, putting ourselves in conversation with Jesus about our beliefs. And so when we talk about, like, needing, wanting to have these conversations across the aisle, I had a conversation actually with Justin Walker about this that mm-hmm. was really beneficial in which he talked about, like, there's been very liberal congregations that he's been a part of that he grew tremendously in and that taught him a lot but at the same time like he comes back to a church like Westmore and it's caused to like see their staunchness in their beliefs and that's something inspiring to him too and really taking time to have the humility to recognize that like that person that like bugs the crap out of you or that thing that you so disagree with or that person you so disagree with is now your holy teacher like they have Mm. so much to teach you now yeah and to discount them as a heretic i think would be a great disservice not only to them but also to yourself do you think that there is a point in which the differing opinion needs to be corrected does that make sense? Yes. Where it's like, it's like, okay, that, no, that's actually a bad take. Yeah. So, yeah, thinking about that, like, the biggest word that comes to mind is discernment. Mm-hmm. And, like, I grew up in a tradition where it's like, no, it's and you call it out immediately. And, like, there was no space for discernment in their theology. It was mm-hmm. very much like this needs to be black and white. Mm-hmm. When I think, like, for instance, like, the book of Ecclesiastes really calls us to question a lot of that black and whiteness Mm -hmm. like there's even some interpretations that say ecclesiastes is a response to proverbs that proverbs calls it that like a then b then ecclesiastes is like okay but what about like a then z like what about the shit and like Mm -hmm. ecclesiastes is like my favorite book it's it's so good yeah it's like it's like that like guy that you see in bar that's just like smoking a cigarette and like kind of wasted but kind of like blowing your mind like that's Ecclesiastes (laughs) wait I I was talking to somebody like but it's so sad I'm like oh but it's so sad (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like I think yeah discernment is the biggest word that comes to mind for me in that and I think like I think even more is like asking the question of like what does it mean to be a Christian is something that a lot of people like I think need to wrestle with within this or even asking the question what is the most core virtue of my faith Mm. um because i personally will be like the first to decry the idea that correct belief is the most important virtue in the christian faith i think that's something that like really misses the mark of what christianity is about and what like jesus is about i think like what's important is like looking at when like first Corinthians 13 says these three things remain faith, hope, and love and the grace of these is love. I think that should give us pause to reflect on if we have perhaps put belief above love. I'm not saying this as a call to relativism, Mm. like no, but I'm saying this more so as a call to like, greater introspection and as a call towards like asking like 
sure I'm like saying all these things, but like, am I actually putting any like action towards it? Like one of the things I've heard as a big complaint about the SOR is how so many of the males in the SOR have a God complex. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, no, yeah. They're so there just to like feed their ego, feed their ego to get a ministry degree so that they can go be right all the time. And like, and like, I'm not trying to get smoke from like SOR majors, like, okay, maybe a little, but um, <laughs> yeah, thinking about like, yeah, not as much as a like call to relativism, but like more so a call to like action and a call towards like asking where, where the essence of our faith lies. And I think even within that, it's like, I don't, I really don't think that like, we have many people who convert to Christianity because they're like, oh, this makes so much sense. Because, like, I feel like that's, A, like, denying the mystery of the Trinity, the atonement, and the dual nature of Christ. Mm -hmm. But I think also because, like, if people aren't actually seeing, like, Christianity changing lives, changing the way that you love others, then, like, it's not really doing much. Yeah, there's. I, I was talking to somebody um, who's a theology grad student last night, and he said in his undergrad, um, he was like a film major and stuff, and he went on to work for like Hillsong and Elevation and Kenneth Copeland, and I just looked at him, I was like, Kenneth Copeland, like, like so what, whatever, Hillsong, Elevation, I just kind of roll my eyes, I don't care, but whenever he said Kenneth Copeland, I'm like, okay, like, that's a... I gotta ask about that one like so so I was like so what was it like doing that and he he paused and he took a second and he just went it was very interesting to watch God work through somebody and not in somebody hmm. and he's like I watched the spirit move I watched God do great things in that crowd of people and genuinely like th people were changed but not in him and that was really really convicting for him and I, I i found that so interesting because like kenneth copeland's one of those names where like a lot of non-evangelical people will recognize me like that guy the whole coronavirus i blow you that guy um he i think the problem is have you have you seen the movie uh like the the show not the chosen it's a movie with, um, like, Andrew Garfield and, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the other, other guy. Um, basically, they're, they're Catholic monks in Japan. Oh. The Silent? Is it The Silent? The Silent. The Silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, I, I, I watched, I never finished it. I got, like, it's, like, three hours long, but I got an hour and a half in, and one of the things that, like, basically what I had gotten to was these priests were sneaking into japan whenever japan was originally locked down to try to like get their mentor out or something um and they come across this village of like secret believers and stuff and so they're doing communion they're doing baptisms they're they're doing confession and all this stuff and one of the things that hit me was this baby was being christened it was being baptized and they baptize the baby and all this stuff. And then the parents look up and in like very broken English, they ask like, so we go into heaven now? 
and and he's just confused and he's like what do you mean they're like like we've been baptized our child's been baptized so we get to go we're we're going now we're going now and he awkwardly has to explain to them no that's not how that works and they have this they have this really puzzled look on their face they don't understand because they had had this belief they were at this point um like like there was no Japanese Bible or anything. There was no I don't even know if they could read. And that kind of raised this internal dialogue of okay, then what is belief? Because these and th- those people ended up being martyred. How am I going to sit there and think like, oh, well they didn't have an exact proper understanding of what Christ of what the Bible says, rather they believed in Christ to the point where they died for him. Hmm. I'm not willing to make the stance that they would not be Christians or in heaven. So it calls into, it makes me think, okay, what is belief then? What is, what is salvation? And I was having this conversation with, uh, do you know Tate Blunt? Yeah. I love Tate. I freaking love that guy. And it was uh, him and my friend Sam. And we were kind of we were we were having this dialogue or they were having this dialogue and i was watching um and if you're going from that perspective faith is belief with understanding because you have to fully because it's okay i believe christ died for me and i have to be able to comprehend and understand what christ's death means mm-hmm. and so if belief is faith and understanding we try to tack on so much of the understanding portion of, okay, we'll understand what this part of the Bible says, what this part of the Bible says. And I really wrestle with, at what point are we trying to be Christians serving like Christ and trying to deeper understand what the Bible says and chase after that? And at what point do we try to make faith so much bigger than what it is? How are we trying, like, like why do we try to put such an emphasis on living perfectly when we can't and that's such a hard dialogue because then it becomes am i living for myself am i am i am i just like okay well like i know i'm not gonna be perfect and i love god uh and i know i'll mess up so i'm gonna mess up in like these ways because i want to let myself to mess up in these ways rather than i don't know it just becomes like entirely legalistic versus almost anti-orthodox and the truth is like somewhere in the middle (laughs) But that's not even something you can necessarily communicate with somebody because you can't be like, oh, like you can tell somebody you're a Christian now. And as being redeemed in the Holy Spirit, there should be like fruit in your lives. There should be change in your life if this is genuine. Um, But on the other hand, you can't just be like hitting somebody over the head. Oh, you didn't change in this way or in this way or in this way. And so you're not a Christian. That's not belief. (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh my gosh yeah and this is like this is something that i wrestled with so much um over quarantine Mm. because just before like everything happened we went into quarantine i came into it very much with a like faith only kind of perspective like solo fide baby and then like (laughs) (laughs) living la vida loca yeah and um and then one of my friends pulled out Matthew 25, mm-hmm. which is the passage where Jesus is like, yeah, in the end, like, we'll separate the sheep from the goats. And, mm-hmm. like, 
we will and like even if you came bearing my name if you did not serve the poor feed the hungry clothe the naked i did not know you i did not know you yeah and they're cast out and like i think that creates a very big issue for everyone who's proclaiming like it's like belief or it's just belief and understanding that like makes you a christian or gets you into heaven or whatever and i think like part of that is that in this conversation we've really defined the terms in a way that gets us in a pickle Mm. that we've made salvation as like getting to heaven and we've made the afterlife into this binary of heaven and hell i'm not claiming that it's not but i think that we've made it into like where we need to be the people who judge that Mm. and i think something that helped me a lot within figuring out my beliefs on salvation figuring out how do i parse matthew 25 with like stuff in romans that i've been taught means this but how do i parse that with james where james is like belief minus works is nothing and works minus belief isn't nothing so like we need a combination of the two to have faith yeah and like one thing i talked to a friend about who's lutheran is she said for her growing up like belief for her growing up heaven and hell was hardly really talked about in church Mm. which was interesting for me because that's all that was talked about for me yeah but she said instead we talked a lot more about how as christians we bring heaven to this earth and that as christians the kingdom of god is available here and now and that we're not just relying on some escapism but instead that we're looking at the world now and seeing hope here and now and that we're not looking at the world as something to be destroyed because if we only view the world as that then there's no purpose in being here Mm. but if instead we look at the world and see the ultimate redemption if we look and say the night is not over but the dawn is able to be seen I think therein lies kind of the heart of what it means to be a Christian, that we are going to be the people that bring this like taste of eternal and true life to other people. Mm. And that it's not a sense of I'm bringing this to this person because like I want, because like the afterlife but instead it's I'm bringing this to this person because it's an exciting and divine move of the Holy Spirit that I'm inviting them into. Mm. And there's a prayer actually by a Muslim that like has really been at the heart of all of this for me, which is like, I have a lot to say about interfaith dialogue, but the prayer says, Oh Allah, if there, Oh Allah, if I worship you out of fear for the flames of hell, cast me into them. And if I worship you for want of paradise, exclude me from it. For I want you for who you are in your name. That's that's interesting because my friend Sam and I were having a dialogue about church discipline recently. Mm-hmm. And what that means and what that looks like. And something I kind of pointed to was like, okay, well, like if you continue... Like in this situation, if they continue down this path, like they will be alone. They will like, and he's like, why would we focus on like, what would happen? We can't focus on the consequences. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he's like, okay, if somebody's going to therapy for porn addiction and you said, hey, you shouldn't watch porn because your wife won't like that very much. You don't help that person solve their porn addiction. You teach them how to get really good at hiding it. 
rather than actually solving the issue. And it's so interesting that we, exactly what you outlined in that prayer of like, we want heaven out of fear of hell rather than out of love of God. And I think that's why we see so much. I think I think that idea is directly correlated to the idea of faith and understanding because it becomes, okay, what can I do? Almost to the sense, what can I do to the bare minimum to achieve heaven yeah. rather than how can I genuinely love God with my heart here on earth? How can I honor him? And I think having faith in an honoring we enter that eternal mindset more so than anything else. I don't know. For me, it's I, I don't like the whole argument. It's like live how you want because mm-hmm. I, think, I think our lives aren't necessarily supposed to be for ourselves. And as Christians, we are called to that higher standard. So we should be living in order to serve God, not living in order to escape hell. Yeah. No, and even so like within that example given from Sam, like, there that gets into like the ethical categories of like deontology is an action wrong just because it's wrong versus Mm. consequentialism is an action wrong because of what it entails or virtue ethics even which isn't talked about a ton is this action wrong because it's damaging to my virtue or because it is vicious Mm. and like because it causes that which like those are three categories that like take a bit to get into and like talk to to kevin snyder if you want more but thinking about like a like when jesus talks about like good teaching bears good fruit like taking a moment to step back and like be analyzing where the church is at with those things like Mm -hmm. you mentioned of like if we're like doing this out of fear of hell then like let's look at the fruits of that let's unpack that a bit and like and I think we can also look at it from a deontological perspective of like, let's look at what's inherent here. Like what mm-hmm. is going on here? Um, and so I think like bringing it back a little bit to the initial point of like our discussion mm-hmm. on like what's happened this week at Lee. Yeah. I think that for us to be using the LGBT plus community as an opportunity to gatekeep, as an opportunity to say they are not going to heaven and I am, I think we've completely missed the point. Mm. But I think instead, if we look at this at from a perspective of the kingdom of God being here, being now, being available, that Jesus is as available here and now as Jesus will be in the afterlife, which is a whole nother theology we can get into. Mm -hmm. Um, If we look at it from that perspective and ask how this person who I disagree with, if we ask how are they being shaped and formed, how are they being impacted by me as a Christian? Is what I'm doing life-giving towards them, or is it death-entailing? And I think taking a moment to ask that, taking a moment to reflect on, like, if that's something we're even asking ourselves, I think is a little bit of, like, the heart of what's at stake here. Hmm. So you're saying 
we need to be checking our own hearts in the sense that are we just trying to build ourselves up essentially yeah. i think and you know kind of what i had mentioned is like talking about the sovereignty of god and like how i put a personal emphasis on that sometimes i wonder like okay do i does the idea of being elect or to use that word um does that idea does that idea do i like that idea because like it kind of tickles that little niche mm-hmm. of like oh there is something special about me there is there is something about me that god shows me to be on his dodgeball team but not another child mm. um and i have to like call that into question be like okay am i I, I struggle to say subscribing. Do I find myself agreeing with this reformed theology because I find that in scripture or because it makes me feel special? Yeah. And like I had to, I had to go down that mindset multiple times because like to me that's, that's intellectually honest. Like just trying to question myself and be like, okay, is this really my motives? Because, you know, in middle school I was that kid that like, oh my gosh. I like like I had the X Men T shirts. I had the Marvel T shirts, and whenever the movies started to come out, I was just like, "Well, you guys like don't know as much as me because like I've been reading comic books since I was like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? Like, and I and I had to learn that like that like like other people can enjoy this. Other people can enjoy this thing. Maybe you want to argue, okay, but you like you don't love it as much as me. Who cares? Like, yeah. Just because they don't necessarily know every single doctrine of salvation out there doesn't make this person not a Christian. Mm. Um, ownership of faith I find to be extremely important. And I think, like I said, like oh, the level of self-awareness of like, why do I want this? I, I talked to Cross about this in terms of like wrestling with faith. Sometimes I question, okay, I grew up in the church. I can't imagine life outside of it. Mm. Genuinely. Like yeah. if, if, if all of my friends... If, if, if I went to all my friends and say, hey, I'm not a believer, would they still continue to associate with me? And I think most of them would. I don't really mm-hmm. question that. It's more so how would my day-to-day life change? And I mm-hmm. question, have I stayed in the faith simply because I, it's safe and it's what's secure and that's all I've ever known? Or have I stayed in this because I do genuinely believe this? Mm-hmm. And... I ebb and flow. <laughs> it's 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 never necessarily. Oh wow! Like I'm only here because like God is my spiritual pacifier. Um, but I really have come to the resolution that no, like I do believe Christ is my savior. God, God is real. Um, in that He does love me as much as I can. Kind of tend to put that <laughs> off. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point that we can't be gatekeeping. We can't yeah. we can't be doing this to build ourselves up and that we first need to question ourselves before we're so quick to correct others. But Andy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I am really happy we're able to have this dialogue and this conversation even though we have differing and opposing viewpoints i don't want to say opposing that makes it so like (laughs) buddy heads but like i really do appreciate your perspective and your heart to see the humanity in people um so yeah thank you so much is there anything you want to plug anybody you want to shout out you can follow him at instagram um on instagram at freddie flounder 
no numbers, all lowercase. Yeah, um, anyone to blow your shout out? Um, yeah, just in closing, like, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you wanting to bring this conversation to your listeners. It's something that is really near and dear to my heart. Um, I think in terms of, like, in terms of people I want to shout out, like, I gotta say Dietrich Bonhoeffer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But reading through his ethics right now has been very good for me, especially in, like, combating Gnosticism, because I think that's something that's prevalent in the church, is, like, saying the spiritual is above the physical, Mm. when, like, the incarnation says different. Um... So definitely Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would want to shout out um, Kevin Snyder and Dr. Yeah. Justin Walker yeah. for being I've... fantastic spiritual mentors to me during this time yeah. um, and really like pushing me hard in my faith to see the humanity of others, to recognize the implications of doctrine and to recognize the inherent attributes of doctrine. Um, I also want to shout out Skip Jenkins for... <laughs> For pushing me beyond the closed-minded, reformed ideas that I came from. Not saying all reformed ideas are closed-minded, just the ones I came from. Where. Oh, I'm right here. No. Yeah, shout. For a shameless plug, uh, I have an episode with Dr. Justin Walker. So if anybody listening wants to uh, hear his beautiful voice a little bit more, check out that episode. But anyways, <laughs> thank you so much, Andy. <laughs>